Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FAM, Friends and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan, everyone calls me Brasky, and today I am joined, as always, by She's Returned, the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and unfortunately... No, Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher this week. We are we are shedless, but we, we gain Linguini, we lose a Toolshed. But how is everyone else? What's up, fam? Hi, What's up? I realized I was waiting for you all to respond, and I was like, wait, no, I need... They literally cannot speak until I say what's up, fam. I could have just kept going. You haven't released us from our silence. Yeah. Yeah. Also, is that like a... Is that like an, uh, the way that it's like an equivalent exchange, right? Is if we if we lose tool shed, we gain linguini. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like a currency exchange kind of thing. It's like you know, this many sheds equals this much linguini, and and for the most part, it's a pretty even balance. But both of them combined would equal one hawk. Oh wow! What? Nice. Yeah. Objection. So if they, if they both come back, then I have to leave. Or wait, can I just always be here? Uh, it's really just my backhanded way to saying that uh, they're they're both very inflated. I have no idea what that means. I might even cut wait, that out. Is that what that means? <laughs> Well, if if multiple of you cost one of him, that means that your currency of linguini is is less valuable. Maybe because there's a bunch of linguini. All right. Yeah. Wait, doesn't that mean Eric's inflated? No. I think that might be an I'm inflated. Or I don't know. I don't know how anything works. No, that'd be like inflation would be would reduce the value, right? So that means that if there's too much linguini, then it takes like forty eight million linguini to make one hawk. So the hawk was worth well, more. That's a better ratio. <laughs> that sounds Wait, like a is very that good? full I'm hawk. I'm so confused. <laughs> when did this become an economics podcast? Well, see, uh, we're supposed to warn. Now I'm just thinking about how much, how much like an actual like bird of prey hawk could eat. How much linguine, like actual pasta like, linguine, could like a, a hawk weight, eat. like a plate of spaghetti versus a plate of hawks oh no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how that works well i know That's we were saving this for worse. later but i guess now is the time to say that we're shifting formats here at fam friends and magic now it's nothing but discussion about economics currency and pasta except none of us know anything about economics currency but i know something about pasta mm-hmm. so then really it's not gonna be very helpful it's called it's called starch money pasta not even sure this is gonna make the final cut of the podcast but regardless things are going well Everything is kind of chilling out. We just got done watching uh, kind of a major event in the world of Magic the Gathering. But before we get to what that event is, I want to know how y'all are doing. How was your week in Magic? Conan Hawk, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, so since we're getting to it later, um, I watched that uh, that set event uh, with some teammates, which was super awesome. That set uh, event, which like, gave me a break. Like we're, we're holding back and we don't want to yeah, reveal like, that it like was nobody Worlds. Nobody knows what event we're like Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the event that shall not be named. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it gave me a it gave me a nice break um, from my frustration at uh, at standard, which was basically just me trying to play every deck and then uh, not liking any of them, and then you know trying it again and again and again and again and again until uh, until, until basically I Mono break Red. arena. <laughs> yeah, until until maybe I play mono red. Who knows? He he messaged us and was like, "Okay, guys." I just played six matches of Mono Red and I haven't lost, so everything sucks. I guess I'm playing Mono Red. But I mean, dig, dig into that a little bit, Conan Hawk, because I, I found that interesting. I remember you discussing that of just going for some reason at this point in time of where I'm at, I just cannot play standard. I, I it's not that it, it's just like I suck at everything right now. 
So as opposed to me, who just generally sucks at most forms of magic, you just found yourself in a situation where nothing worked for you. And was that a mixture of you not really knowing the decks correctly? Is that just your style and how you like to play just does not mesh with standard right now? What do you think went into the fact that you were kind of at odds with the format? I think a lot of it had to do with like the style of magic that I like to play. Um, I like to play uh, like creature based aggro decks. And I mean, like that, like people will say, well, just play the mono red deck. That's a creature based aggro deck. But I think um, one part of standard right now is that a lot of these decks have like a combo style finish. Uh, so the red decks have like an Ember Cleave. The Wilderness Reclamation decks have uh, making a huge expansion explosion. Um, the Fires decks have like a, you know, basically playing like a Cavalier Flame plus another creature and attacking you for a ton of damage, uh, so on and so forth. So it was like the the thing that I, I excel at most, which is like combat math, is just like throwing crazily by you could just die at any point like your opponent could just like assemble this combo um and i think um learning how to counteract that um there's another game that uh that we we usually avoid the name of but basically that's that's you know that's like the thing that i i remembered and something that helped me was basically you know that on turn you know x they're gonna have enough enough mana to be able to fulfill their combo so you have to be above a certain life total so that you don't die to that. Um, so just like taking every turn being going like, all right, if I'm at this, I can block like this so that they can't Ember Cleave me for lethal. Um, they'll need something Ember Cleave plus something in order to kill me or, you know, or I can swing all out because Ember Cleave plus this, where a lot of the times I think I was just like attacking and being like, okay, well, I don't like, you know, I'm not putting myself in a good enough position unless, and like if, if they draw Cleave, um, then I just like left myself dead. But um, I think like now it's like, oh, wait, I can draw Cleave too, so I could just kill them at any point. Hmm. Interesting. I love how we also just like refrain from naming card games. Like we just, we don't want to reveal any other information besides magic. I also didn't know we did that. Why, when do we start saying the word, stop saying the word Hearthstone? I think it was when we very first started this podcast and I come from a background of Hearthstone. So it was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, and there's another game I play. And everyone's like, oh, really? That other game. And I was like, yes, that I shall not name for, yeah. for, well, I, will, for I will be shamed in the pantheon really of all podcasting. I really hope you believe so it now, with, with Oko. So now that we can say it, you remember the you remember the druid combo deck with uh, what is it? They make all the tutus and then they then they savage roar and then they like do other things and then you you die from like I think you had to be above eighteen life or maybe it was something higher than that. Yeah, sixteen to eighteen. Good old combo druid. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. It's like it's like being aware of the combo druid kill at all times and making sure that you don't leave yourself dead to it because even if like you lose like a point here or a point there in your aggressive deck you always have the you always have the chance of drawing your combo kill of course of course well that's interesting because i always find that with either specific games and specific formats whatever it is i'm playing just occasionally we run into a rut where we just go this it just doesn't gel with me right now so maybe i need to step back from it or find a different different way to play the game that i enjoy and uh, that's that's okay. And you can find uh, eventually you kind of settle on something that uh, piques your interest, that kind of taps into what you want to play, so you get that enjoyment out of the game that you want. Yeah, I mean, it also helps that I've I've loved Magic for so long that I'm going to force myself to find a deck that I'll latch onto <laughs> rather than rather than stop doing it. That's next in our competitive series of Friends in Magic, forcing a deck, forcing yourself to like a deck. That's good. That's going to be what it is. If you don't enjoy playing this type of archetype, too bad. We're going to figure out a way. You're going to sit there and you're going to like it. 
It's like it's like trying to teach a child to eat the vegetables they don't want to eat. Yeah, this is broccoli. You will live with it for the rest of your life. Get used to it. Welcome to Team of Reclamation, the Brussels sprouts of magic. So I'm glad you said Brussels sprouts because I was about to say it. So I learned something recently. As I was a kid, I was fed Brussels sprouts a lot, and obviously I hated it. And I didn't really understand why. Like As I started to grow up as an adult, I would always avoid Brussels sprouts. And someone, re- like in the last four or five years, cooked me Brussels sprouts. And I was like, no, I really don't like them. They're like, no, trust me. You've been eating boiled Brussels sprouts or steamed Brussels sprouts sometimes. I baked these in the oven. You're going to like them. And I was like, I hate when people say that. I was like, no, I really, they're like, please try them. And oh my gosh, they were right. What what were my parents doing? Why were they feeding me food that tasted so bad? Brussels sprouts are actually delicious if you cook them correctly. Uh, Serena's dad had the exact same experience. He was just like, Brussels sprouts are terrible. And we've learned that they were always steamed, just like you said. And it's like, yeah, I don't and know it, why someone decided that was good. It was a year. I mean, well, my mom came from, they came from Ireland and like, and grew up during like the fifties. So like, you know, using the oven was actually like a big thing. Like boiling was a lot quicker and cheaper on gas. Like I understand why it happened, but what I don't understand is why my mom never evolved. She's like, no, boiled equals good. No, it doesn't. Boiled equals bad. Well, stay tuned for our next podcast on culinary anthropology, which is going to be fantastic to talk about as well. Uh, It's going to be a mixture of discussing how to play magic decks correctly and how to eat foods properly. We're going to title this podcast, You're Doing It Wrong. I really enjoy it. So you've moved on from being great at transitions to being great at just naming podcasts on the fly. That's true. Naming podcasts, finding good card names, like all that kind of stuff. That's what I pride myself on. I love it. Caroline, what did you pride yourself on for this past week in magic? Oh, that's different than what did I do in Magic this last week. <laughs> um, well, I played Magic. I don't know if I prided myself. Prided? That can't be right. I'm not sure how I thought of myself. Maybe it's prode. <laughs> I did play some Magic. I played, Um, I just got back to Vancouver um, and didn't really have any gathering plans, but I kind of chilled out. Uh, in my house and I played some arena I played in a couple different like arena tournaments like I found uh, one being put on by the Constructed Criticism Network Uh, there was another one that was like a test tournament for like a future tournament software Um, so I played in a couple of those did badly in both but they were still fun to play Um, and it was actually kind of interesting and weird Um, I've been to arena tournaments at a location but I've not played too many from my house and I actually have a hot take that I don't like it um, in in the reason being when you play moto events there's a timer there's a clock that you can see as a participant so for example if I'm playing my match it's a mono red mirror we're done in 12 minutes I know that there is no way the next round will start with until at least 48 minutes have gone on the clock but in reality more like 55 minutes so I know that 15 minutes have gone by I have time to go make myself breakfast or run to Starbucks or, you know, lie down or like anything that involves time that I can manage. I'm like, yep, I can totally do this. The arena tournaments, first of all, I was playing two that were kind of small. So like, that's like a caveat for sure. But I couldn't really do that because I didn't know how much time had really passed. I understand in the games that we have tournament clocks. So I I know that they're being tracked at 25 minutes each, I think. 
and and that makes sense but i don't see that after i finish playing so i just had no concept of whether or not my round would be up um i will say that arena tournaments have this like 10 minute check-in period which is a little different than than paper tournaments so that was kind of helpful because like if i missed the start of the round i had 10 minutes to say i was here before i got dropped but regardless of that it was still kind of like less intuitive to know whether or not i could take a break or not so i hope that that the structure and maybe this new software that we were testing improves that idea like it makes it more like moto which no one's ever said about arena before but um it would be nice to have a little bit more structure like one thing i like about grand prix is you just know the round will take 50 minutes and plus 10 usually so you have an idea of what's happening and I, I like to be prepared with that kind of stuff so that was like my experience uh this weekend just playing a lot of arena and watching this mystery tournament that we're not naming for some reason um and that was that i know that on the the new software uh that we were testing um there is a round timer on there and i know that a lot of the the rounds did end a little bit before the the timer went off but i um they do have a chat in the uh, at the bottom that you can talk to the TO. And I would assume that if you told the TO, hey, there's, you know, 30 minutes left in the round, I'm going to go cook myself lunch really quick. Um, I'll be back before the 30 minute timer has expired. Um, I would assume they would treat it similar to like a paper magic tournament where they'd be like, if you, you know, say, for instance, are at a magic tournament uh, and you say, hey, there's 25 minutes on the clock, I'm going to go run, you know, to McDonald's across the street or whatever it is and be like, uh, get a burger and come back and you know eat the burger or whatever. As long as you're within that 25 minutes, they'll be okay. If like obviously you're like, hey, I'll be back before the round timer ends, and you come back like 40 minutes later, you might be in some trouble. But if you come back before the 25 minutes or whatever, it's okay if you yeah. come back that late though, because you can come back and be like, wait, where were you? You said 25 minutes. You were you said you were cooking lunch, and I was like, yeah, sorry, it took 40 minutes. You know, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? Um, so actually, that's a good point, and that's maybe something I should have thought about. Is like. When, when you play smaller tournaments, you do run into this issue where the, the round timer is not always the best thing to think about because small tournaments can start kind of when everyone's finished. However, at a local store, if you like do what you know Eric just said, as long as you return within the original round timer, you cannot get a game loss. Like you, you must be allowed to just get an extension and keep playing. If you return after the round timer was supposed to expire, you know, then it's on you and you were just late. Um, whereas in the arena tournaments, at least from what visually I could see, that didn't feel like that was built into the system. So I guess that was more like my comment was like, I felt a lot of pressure to be on time. Yeah, I guess for like a small tournament, but still, I like to be on time to things. So. Of course, of course. It's, it's good to be punctual. Uh, especially whether or not you're playing competitive magic or just have normal life things. It's always good to be punctual and on time. And we know what time it is, and that's to move on to the next segment. And that segment is discussion of that aforementioned secret thing that happened that nobody knows about, which was the Magic World Championship. Uh, several, several players competing, some of the, you know, all of really the best in the world. <laughs> several, several. Sorry. Several, several, as opposed to a singular <laughs> several. How much is several, several? Like, what number were you thinking of when you said several? Uh, I think several, several is eight times two. Yeah, I was thinking of, uh, well, yeah. Well, no, several is two, so it's two times two. It's four. No, two is a couple. Wait. Three is what? a few. Words are hard. Um, so how many? Two is a couple. Three is a few. Four is many. And after that is several, right? It's like five and above. No way. There's no way several comes after many. Mm, I, would, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Because usually I'm like, hey, how, you know. 
Brasky, how was how was your listeners? Brasky, how was your magic tournament? Well, I, I have several losses as opposed to many losses. <laughs> like that's so what right. I, I literally I literally losses. just googled several, and it says two is a couple, and more than two or three is several, but not more. But it's a, then it says but not more than many, but it ah. doesn't say how many many is. So well, I'm still I think, right. I think it, I think it's just a it's a tie. They're well, both right. Out wait, of, what what? No, it says several is less than many. Yeah, but how many is many? Is many ten? Well, it's not four. <laughs> it could be a ma- it could be a whole bunch for all we know. You know, this is like the discussion about groups of animals. It's all at the same time, right? There's bunches of things. There's severals of things. It's all going to be fine. And whether or not it's several or many, we all know that out of many, there is one, and that one is a champion, and that was. Paulo Vitor Dominarosa, who uh, ended up winning and taking it all with uh, everyone's favorite deck. And I, boy, am I sad that Mr. Toolshed's not here because the winning deck was blue-white. It was blue-white. It took it all, and it was, it, it just, it, I'm sure it warmed Sean's heart. That's what I thought. And then I saw him comment later. He's like, no, no, this is not, this is not the control that I know. This is not the blue-white that I want to play. He was kind of discussing how uh, the way that this deck plays uh, is interesting for a, a number of reasons, but we can kind of get into that a little bit more. Maybe, Connor Hawk, you can talk a little bit about uh, your impressions of Worlds and specifically about that blue-white deck. So Worlds was pretty awesome. Uh, like I said, I was watching it with teammates. Uh, Brian, Joe, Steph, and Sean were all there. Um, and it was just, like, really cool to be able to, like, kind of, like, chat with people. Uh, I've never, like, wa- like I've watched many other sports, uh, you know, like basketball, football, all that type of stuff before with teams or with like uh, just like friends and and you know uh, all that stuff. But I've never done this with uh, watching like worlds with teammates, which is like really cool. And so, just like chatting about you know certain plays or certain decks or um, you know like, like even like the commentators and stuff like that was just like really really cool. Um, by the way, a quick uh, a quick thing on the commentators. I thought that. Um, is it is it Alias or Elias? I, I don't actually know. Elias V. Elias V. Alias. Is it Alias? Okay, I've heard it both ways. That's why I don't know. It's Alias. <laughs> is it Alias? Okay, so Alias was awesome, um, because like I, I I felt like I could listen to her. So like I was listening to it in the car uh, driving, um, and it was just on the speakers, right? Because you shouldn't watch videos when you're driving, right? Um, but I didn't have to like, I, I could see the battlefield because she described everything that was happening and like always referenced the things in play where I think that gets away from some of like the, the people that are like more, I used to call them more in tune to magic, but they, they kind of float into color commentator rather than uh, play by play a little bit. And I think that that might be a weakness of some of them, uh, when they are commentating. So I just like wanted to give a quick shout out cause I thought that was awesome. Um, but then, um, yeah, I mean, and then after that, it was just like it was just like us talking about how incredible uh, third place competitor Seth Manfield played the the mono red deck and how it like actually kind of inspired me to want to play the red deck because watching him play it just like flawlessly was awesome. Um, oh, the Teferi attack was so good. Yeah, there was a. Oh my gosh. So for those that didn't watch Worlds, there's this Teferi. There's a decision point where Seth can either kill this Teferi, um, and he was like thinking about killing this Teferi, and then. You see him kind of like going through all the motions. He's like clicking in the face and then clicking to fairy and then clicking the face and then clicking around and all this stuff. And then he's just like, wait, the only thing I don't want to fairy to do is to bounce my creature. In order for that to happen, I have to put to fairy to two loyalty. So he puts it so that the he puts the creature that is doing exactly that enough damage 
to the Teferi and everything else at um, at it was Gab Nassif's face. Um, yeah. So like uh, Gab Nassif's life total, and then what ends up happening is the next turn he has exact lethal, because the Teferi can't bounce a creature, and the leftovers do exactly enough damage to Nassif. That is yeah. Impressive. It was just. I mean, he drew. He had to draw a card off the top to do that. It's it's yeah. He wasn't planning to do that, but you could tell that that was something he was thinking about. Whereas I, when I was watching him decide like to attack or not to attack, I was like, okay, just make up your mind. Like what's happening? But then when you saw him draw the card that he exactly needed, you're like, that's what was happening. Uh, unfortunately, I can't remember. I assume it was an Ember Cleave, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it was. It was just incredibly wild, and it was awesome to watch. See, that's the type of play that's just like it's that it's that th- that third brain play, right? You're watching something, and even then, you might go, "Why? Why would you do something like that?" That's just and you have a moment where you feel like you could be smarter than a world champion. It's like, oh, why would you ever do that? That's stupid. That's dumb. And then you see what happens and why they did what they did, and you go, "Oh, well, now I feel silly." Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think. I think like, you know, 90 or, you know, higher percentage, like, you know, most numbers are all made up anyway. So I'm just going to make up, up a number and say it's 90% of all players um, will would have like killed the Teferi, like get the Planeswalker off. You can do that. You're not going to kill them with one attack anyway. Uh, you don't have lethal next turn anyway. And it's just like it's like Seth found, you know, found the exact line, which was which was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's always cool to see that way it goes. You know what player does that uh, more so that, that I've experienced when I watch how they play and I find myself going, <laughs> that's dumb. And then I see what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're really smart. Huey Jensen. Every time I see Huey play, I'm just sitting there and just being like, he does things. This guy, <laughs> this guy's good at magic. Are you kidding me? And then I see what he does. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm criticizing Huey Jensen. Okay, I need to go sit in the corner. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to go eat raw Brussels sprouts because I feel bad about what I did. <laughs> yeah, Huey. Huey. I don't know how Huey misses on the the the. Like obviously with uh, Paulo winning, everybody was like Paulo's uh, the goat, and then people are like, no, John's the goat, and then like some people are like, what about Kai? And it's like, um, how come Huey doesn't get some more love? You know what I mean? Um, I, I would like to see where where people would rank him on on like the top, you know, five, ten, whatever lists that they they have. I just want to train a goat to actually be good at magic, like a literal goat. And that way, if he like wins round one or round two, maybe even by default, like he gets a buy, and then they come in. It's like, well, who got the buy? Oh, pff, obviously, the goat. Everyone's like, oh, you mean yeah. you mean Paulo? No, the goat. Oh, you mean Huey Jensen? No, literally the goat. And they look over, and there's this like random goat. It's just it's chewing and it's chewing a mountain because it's sitting on the table. There is no rule uh, in Magic that says a goat can't play Magic. Exactly. So. That's what we're talking about. Well, there's no rule that says we can't uh, enjoy worlds or you can't not enjoy worlds. But, I mean, Caroline, what was your experience about worlds, both uh, what, what the positive and negatives? Because this was really the first time that we saw worlds um, being acclimated into arena and everything else that went along with it. So what was your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I actually have lots of thoughts. Um, I really felt that I have followed worlds um, a lot in the last couple of years. I've had friends that are competing um i actually went to worlds in the the last world which was actually not in 2019 it was in 2018 um it was in vegas and it was cool like i was there and you know it felt cool ish um but at least from what was presented on social media this world's the effort that was put forth to make this a special and unique experience was very different than the worlds that 
that I went to when Matt Nass was playing. Um, and uh, I spoke to some other people about worlds that they had competed in, and they felt like this was this was a big turning point in terms of a tournament that was both for the viewers at home like us, but also for the participants and for the people that, you know, qualified and made it all the way there. So um, you could really see that in certain things. Like there were these really sweet videos of just individual um, people, like each competitor had their own video that got released at a different day. So it wasn't like, it was very thoughtful that it was like, oh, let's not release all of these at once. Let's hype this up. So each person got a date that they were going to get their video released on. Um, Their video was very special and unique to them. My favorite part was they got to say, like, I'm going to be the next world champion in whatever language that they wanted to. And that was really cool. Just listening to the different languages of of all the competitors was so cool. Um, There was also this, like, hype video that went out, like, early last week um, with, like, where they're all, like, in this random, like, abandoned building, like, all playing arena on this computer. Like, it was just really, like, these, like, little things, like, obviously cost a lot of money and a lot of thought. Um, The Choose Your Champion campaign was just something that got me hooked, like, as a a consumer. I was just so in. I actually collected and tried to find all the letters. Like I kept messaging people like, who did you choose? Can I have their letter? I want to read it. And so that got me really involved. Um, You know, I I picked Paulo mostly because I actually went to Paulo's wedding. I'm good friends with him. So I was like, obviously I'm picking Paulo. But as the tournament started to progress, I was like, wow, I'm really glad I picked Paulo. This is going so well. And then ultimately it went really well and I did get my trophy pet. Um, And so all of that was like, just got me hooked and as i said i've watched worlds before i've i've followed the process before but this was just on a whole nother level um there were posting videos from hawaii all week um there was like a luau video that was super cool um the social media campaigns were just really well done and i felt like the tweets that were coming out about the players were uh thoughtful and thought out and just really um you know, not just as basic, like this person's up now playing, go watch them. Uh, one thing I just thought was super cool was a lot, a couple of the players have big esports sponsorship. Um, so the ones I'm thinking of, like, is Seth Manfield and uh, Paulo. Paulo sponsored by uh, an esports team. I don't want to get it wrong, so I'll pretend I didn't say it. And then the other one, uh, Seth is sponsored by uh, Envy. And so I actually went and I looked on the, those esports uh, Twitter accounts because I was kind of curious because this is a huge, huge event to us, but people might not know it's a big event. And so I looked and it was kind of crazy. They all both of these accounts were just tweeting not Tempo Storm is Paulo's. They were both just tweeting nonstop about their players and how well they were doing. And like the tweets that they were even tweeting out were curated and you know it sounded like whoever was writing them actually knew about magic and that was also like really cool about um cool to me like i really enjoyed the fact that like everyone was getting involved and it wasn't just this like structured story that you know someone had scripted on esports twitter account or something like everyone seemed to actually getting really hyped um that being said there are some things i didn't like <laughs> uh well first of all before i say with things i didn't like did anyone else feel that way like was i alone and just getting excited about all these random videos that were on twitter or I I actually loved it. Um, I thought it was amazing. Uh, one of my complaints um, about a year or two back was basically um, when they first announced the MPL, it was like a list of names, right? And that was it. And it was like, who are these people? Why do I care, right? And um, for those that know, I used to play on the Star City Game Circuit. Um, they are incredible at getting you to know 
their top players and getting them to know like why you like them. They have like these player cards. Um, they always have like little tidbits about them. You can see their tournament uh, like, you know, stuff, but they also do interviews with them. They do deck techs with them. You will, you get to know these players. I didn't really know anything about the MPL outside of the people I knew maybe personally or have like talked to at tournaments or whatever. So getting to see this type of stuff and getting to like, you know, actually like, you know, feel for somebody for because of the videos, um, because of, you know, their stories and stuff like that was was awesome. So you actually felt like you had a stake in the in the tournament, which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so some things I uh, wasn't as excited about or like at least were kind of frustrating for me. Um, we all know it. We've all heard seen the tweets all weekend, but the structure was just insane. I actually legitimately did not understand the structure and got a voice memo from Paulo that I wish I could just play for you. It basically was two voice memos explaining day one and day two. And after the, that voice memo, I was like, oh, I get this. And then I started explaining to people and I looked really cool. And I was like, yeah, I totally understand. But it took a an actual phone call from basically a, like from a competitor to explain how to play in the tournament, which is not, sorry, Wizards, but that's not going to work. Like, we it needs to be more clear. And, and if, you, you, if you're aware it's bad, then you need to get your commentators to take the time to explain it. Um, because the way Paulo explained it to me made a lot of sense. Basically, like there are there were two stages on day one, and if you did one and if you did well, which a well was considered two wins, if you got two wins in any of the stages, you got to play in the next day. But if you did well in both stages, you got to play later in the next day. So if you did, you went two one and two one, you got to go straight to stage four instead of playing in the morning on day two, which is stage three. And once Paulo explained that, I could, you know, cheer for him, like, because he was 2-1 in draft at that point, or 2-0 in draft, or whatever. And so then I'm like, oh, well, now I know what I'm cheering for. I need Paulo to win two, win two wins in standard, and Andre had lost in draft, so I was like, I need Andre to get wins in standard, otherwise he's out. And, like, now I'm understanding what I'm actually wanting from the competitors, and now, I like, when I'm watching a match, I'm like, oh, this is not an elimination match. This is the first round of, of stage two. Oh, this is an elimination match. Andre already lost once. He has to win this or he's out of worlds. Oh no, he's out of worlds. Like I was just able to follow along a lot better. And then come day two, all of that information went away because the structure changed completely. And I lost again. I didn't know how to follow. Like it was just so frustrating that as much as I love watching magic and love watching these competitors, I want to know what they're playing for. Sometimes the commentators would say, this is a win and in, or this is not a win and in, but sometimes they wouldn't. Um, you know, it's hard to remember to say that, and maybe they didn't even know. Like, it it really could have been done better. And one thing that came out from the structure, I think the structure is fine, by the way. I think it is okay to to have a system where, you, to, in order to stay in and to do well in the tournament, you have to keep winning. Um, and if you get some losses, you have to keep winning more. I understand that. Um, but this had such a big difference between winning early and winning late that it ended up being where Paulo had a record of like seven and one or, or six and one or somewhere around that near the finals. And his opponent had a record of like 13 and six, like they had just played such a different amount of magic that it was just insane. And that's something we're not used to. And I, I believe we can adjust as a community, but it is going to be very hard from coming from a structure where we all know that we play 16 rounds or 15 rounds and you need a record of X and X to get into the, the next rounds, it was very different. And yeah. so um, that was hard 
to follow for sure. Yeah, it was interesting to see at the same time of just, it was like reading a really long magic card. Okay, what's the format for worlds? Okay, so, and then you kind of bust out this large manuscript and have to go down. So, now we've reached bylaw 17-B42. And in this situation, if someone is playing... Uh, sir, this is a Wendy's? <laughs> sir, this is a magic term. I've always wanted to make that joke. It's so good. It's a great point you make, though, about the format. It was, uh, I think a lot of people... People who knew Magic enjoyed it uh, for what it was, even if they were confused by the format. But for anyone else that was kind of tuning in or knew a little bit about Magic, there was a lot about it that you'd be like, oh, "Is okay? Is it? Is this match important? Is it? Why? I'm I'm not exactly sure why." Um, I will say I actually like best of three, best of threes, <laughs> um, instead of best of fives. So I actually. I understand why they do it on Arena. You can't really do a best of five, but I actually really enjoyed the idea of playing three matches to determine the match. I think that was really cool. I I completely can get behind that. I just wish I understood <laughs> when it happened and when it didn't, because Paulo played on early Sunday and just played a best of oh, a best of three, but once <laughs> with uh, Marcio. Then Marcio played for the rest of the day and then came back and then had to play a best of three, best of three. <laughs> Uh, with Paulo, so that that was kind of confusing and sort of unfair. Like Marcio played a freaking lot of magic that day, and Paulo literally played very first match, and then texted us and was like, "Okay, now what do I do for four hours?" <laughs> like, I am so proud of you for saying freaking, for saying freaking so a lot of magic. I know. I, it's been, you know, we we missed you last week. I'm looking around. Uh, usually we're struggling to figure out how we're going to pay for all of the censorship, but it's been so long that I feel that we just have a surplus of uh, of censors available. So with Toolshed gone. I can have that up if you want. Yeah, you know, with Toolshed gone, who knows? Maybe we'll just uh, throw some casual swearing inside of here. Hey, great new magic card to go with inconsistent swearing, casual swearing. See what that magic card will be. I feel like that'd be part of an unset. Um, so yeah, that was my take on Worlds. Obviously, I enjoyed it immensely. Having a friend win is better than anything else in the world, but there are some flaws that I would love to see fixed. A little note on their structure. Um, I 100% agree that they, they could have done a better job, and maybe the commentators didn't really know um, exactly what was going on at all points or whatever. Um, the structure is is taken from other esports. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like... That was like one of the nice things is like I was kind of like you where it was like I felt really smart because I was explaining it to everybody because I watch a lot of Smash Brothers um, on on uh, on Twitch as well. And like it's like the exact same structure as that. Um, but I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head when they were like when it's like if they just ex described almost like to the point where you might even get a little sick of it, where it's like if Paulo wins this match, that means this happens. And if he loses this match, that means this happens. And, you know, same with like every other competitor. It's like, you know, this match means this, you know, if Gab beats Marcio, Marcio goes home. If Marcio beats Gab, Gab goes home type of stuff. So, so actually there were slides this weekend that were playing and they were, they were being live presented. They weren't just like, you know, filler and the, the commentators and presenters were talking, reading them out and they were explaining the format of standard and they were explaining it in an extremely basic way. Um, explained like all the sets that it came from, uh, what does it mean, what does standard mean, and blah, 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 blah. And what I, I bring that up because that's exactly what they could be doing about the format. Every, you know, every game that concludes and they bring up that side and they say, here we are in our format, we're in stage one, these are the players that have two wins, they've locked to stage three, these are the players that have one win, they need to win to go to stage three. Like, there, there could have been a better way. Now, one thing I think is worth mentioning, because this is the first time 
it is possible that a lot of the commentators and presenters and even maybe even the background crew didn't really realize just how unique and how crazy the structure was until they started getting into it, um, which means that there's possible that they didn't study up on it too much or they didn't put a lot of effort into the, the slides. And that makes sense, right? Like you're, you go to a tournament, you're like, oh, I know what happens here at this magic tournament. I've played magic before. And then as the tournament goes on, you're like, wait a minute. This is different. We should start. Hold on a second. <laughs> so that, that's possible, right? And maybe going forward, hopefully that's something that's on their mind is like, hey, information is caring. So let's, uh, sh information sharing is caring. I forgot a word. I was like, that doesn't rhyme. I guess kind of. <laughs> <laughs> information sharing is caring. My favorite thing is just like, you know, Conan Hawk last week, we did our, um, we did Magic the Gathering commentary if it was PGA Golf. You know, which was enjoyable and fantastic. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, I, I want to do the exact opposite at one point, where it's like do a, a Magic Arena coverage, as if we were doing like Overwatch League or like CS:GO. WWF. Where we're just we're we're talking as fast as we can, even though both players are just sitting staring at the screen, wondering what their next play is, and you're both oh, just nice. sitting there at the same time and just be like, "Hey, look at Paulo. Paulo's sitting there with his Dream Trawler. He's gonna look around. He's shifting over the top, and look at him. He's oh, look at that. He shifts over to a mountain. He plays another mountain, and then you just kind of like jump over each other. And at the end of it, it's like, and hey, look at this, and he passes the turn. Oh." <laughs> I think the only person that you'd be able to do that with, uh, not like as a commentator, but as the person that you're watching is like is like Brian Kibler, right? Yes. Um, if you've never seen Brian Kibler play, he he like fires through his cards, like shuffling them. So you'd be like, he brings them out to the front, and then now there's a force at the front, and then there's a Garrick's companion, and then there's just like, and you just like end up like being like this, like, uh, what are those called? Uh, the the auctioneers. Yes. Because <laughs> you're just like trying to name every card that's like at the front of his hand at any given point. <laughs> just be like crazy i love everything about that so overall we we enjoyed worlds there's things to improve there's new things to kind of build off of but also things to remember especially for those of us who maybe new we are new to the game but then there's things that the veterans can get better at as well and uh maybe we'll kind of see uh, a, a better way to to enjoy the competitive atmosphere in the digital world of magic at some other competitive events like DreamHack Anaheim. Uh, DreamHack is going to host a Magic Arena tournament. It's going to be, I think, one of four Magic the Gathering arena tournaments that they're going to host over the course of the entire year. Um, so obviously we have Anaheim, and then of course there's Dallas and Atlanta, and uh, I think in one other, I think it's in Europe that they have other that as well. Um, but there's going to be a whole lot of different uh, events happening, and I, I'm really interested to see how DreamHack handles magic arena it seems like it's going to be very very cool um they normally do a, a fantastic job with their production values with how they can make it really good uh in a lot of different ways so you know let's start off conan hawk let's talk a little bit about you about you know dreamhack what your aspirations are uh, what, what like are you going to watch it you're going to enjoy it and then also we might have a few uh folks from the swigoy team that are going to play as well yeah, um, I, I, I'm basically I got approached about going to Anaheim and because I had never been to a DreamHack um, before, I didn't really know exactly what was going on. I didn't I like there wasn't a lot of information about it. I kind of like didn't I like decided not to go to this one. Um, so I'm actually really excited to hear from um, from the the people from, you know, our our team going. So uh, 
it's going to be Joe, Steph, Brandon, and Edelweiss, who I don't actually know their their first name because uh, they're not part of the Magic team, but they will be playing Magic at the at the event, which is really exciting. Um, but uh, I just like want to hear about their tournament experience and stuff like that. Um, and and I hope they have a lot of fun. I definitely, uh, for those that know, I watch a lot of Magic, so I'll definitely be watching uh, DreamHack and hoping that uh, that our our team gets a a pretty good representation. Um, for being there. I know that the, the announcers are actually pretty, pretty, uh, the announcer team is going to be pretty spectacular. So I'm excited for that as well. Um, but as far as like what I helped or what I did for preparation for the tournament, I actually did a lot of testing for, uh, Brandon, AKA at Tomlock, uh, today on stream. Actually, I played against Mr. Toolshed, uh, our, our fellow co-host. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just like really awesome. We did a lot of, uh, uh, team of reclamation versus uh, blue white, um, and uh, you know, and then also uh, they they also got to listen to all my experiences of standard ladder grinding. So you know, a lot of me yelling into the ether about how I couldn't win with anything, and then uh, being like, okay, red might actually be good, and then you know, and then just yelling about random stuff because I just you know at at that age where I just want to yell. Uh, new magic card that someone needs to make and can tweet at us at Swagoi, S-W-A-G-O-I, uh, at Swagoi Gaming is uh, yelling into the ether. I want to know what color that is and what kind of card that's going to be because uh, that seems like a card that Blue White might actually play. Uh, that would be a fantastic one. Caroline, um, you know, from what you've seen uh, our teammates do with preparing for DreamHack in Anaheim, uh, what are your feelings on how the meta has shifted, especially from something from like Worlds about what the decks, uh, the decks that we saw people play, and what you think is going to happen? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think Worlds, um, I think Worlds is like a pretty small tournament, and so I was surprised to see kind of like a an exact quarter, 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 uh, quarter, 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 quarter uh, meta game in the sense that there was four people on Team Erect, four people on um mama red four people on just guy fires and then four okay three people on blue right control and one person on gen food but we'll call them four um that was actually really interesting to me for worlds that it broke down that smoothly because it's pretty hard it's usually uh easier to predict kind of what the metagames would be so i thought it would be more geared towards uh the best deck which i believe going into worlds people thought was team wreck so i expected a lot more team wreck at worlds um, that being said, in a re this uh, DreamHack thing is going to be less, obviously less like Worlds and more like a Grand Prix. Um, and so normally I would say the metas are going to be pretty spread out and people will just bring the decks they like um, with the big, you know, the big four being like higher numbers. So um, Team Erec, Control, Mono Red, and Jessica having higher numbers. Um, however, it's an arena tournament. So it's a little bit different because uh, as a st it's, it is similar in the sense that as a standard player, you sometimes just have a deck. And then when you go to a Grand Prix, you just play that deck. It's not as common in standard, but people still kind of do that. Um, and in an arena, that's still the same. Like some free-to-play accounts might go to this tournament and only have mono red or only have blue white or whatever they've always had. That being said, in general, it's easier to switch on arena because once you've been playing for a little while, you have a lot of the cards and so at this point like i can switch between any standard deck and not have to craft anything and so i could see taking that knowledge where people have a lot more access to every card right away like you don't have to borrow or or you know buy or whatever 
I could see the meta being drilled down a lot more. And so I haven't been playing the ladder this week too much. I know that blue white's been around a lot. Um, Just guy fires is kind of on the uptick. Team Eric is always around. So like, I don't really know which one beats which. So whatever it is, maybe Eric can tell us that one, I assume will be the higher number at the, at, at the event, just because it is a lot easier in quotations to make an arena uh, deck instead of making a paper deck. Um, so that's what I expect to see. Whatever, <laughs> it's a kind of a cop-out answer, but whatever I believe like, people are seeing on the ladder being the best deck, that's what I think will be the highest number. And they'll be higher. Like it will be like 30 to 40 instead of like a 15 to 20. That's what I think. Eric, what is that deck? Um, I think the deck that you see the most on ladder, at least in my in my testing, is Mono Red. And I, I think it might be because like kind of like what you said, um, I think both it's it's easier to craft. Um, it requires a little bit less um, like mythics and rare or and, and rare cards. But also, I think the biggest thing is that um, when you're laddering, it rewards you for playing quickly. So trying to get to mythic means that if you try to do it with blue white, um, you would need something like a, you know, something incredible, like an 80 or 90 percent win rate to do it at the same speed as like mono red even if your mono red win rate was like, say, you know, 60% or something like that. Um, so I, I think that's why you see mono red a lot more, but then people seeing it uh, hitting mythic and people doing well with it um, might translate for them being like, oh, this deck has to be amazing. And it, it's not bad. It's not a bad deck. It's I think it's one of the best decks, but it's just like it might have like a little bit inflated numbers because of that. What would with, you play if you were going? What would I play? <laughs> After yeah. all saying all that, I'd probably play mono red. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer between the uh, any of the world's decks besides probably Jund. Um, I think <laughs> Jund might have just been Canister's uh, Canister's like pet deck uh, that could obviously won him his his Mythic Championship um, and you know get got him you know very prestigious prizes. I think he didn't think that the, the deck was that bad, um, but I think the problem with the deck is like it's not it's not as powerful as the other decks, and I think the other decks have gained a lot more than than the Jun deck did uh with the new set so from seeing what you guys think the meta is going to be uh to what we saw Apollo win with you know, we see a lot of mono red because it's quick it's fast it ladders you know quickly that's what people like that it's, it has efficiency in that way um whereas other people uh you know like me an intellectual would play blue white uh and and play that control deck um but a lot of people have a lot of different feelings about the blue white control deck about how it's built about what it's like to play against what it's like to play in the first place and and so let's talk a little bit about that deck because i think you know we've heard team of reclamation we've heard all these other spots i'm like well hold up blue white is still really kind of uh uh the 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 monarch of the format in my opinion so what do you feel about blue white how does it feel to play against what do you want to do with it how do you want to build it do you even want to build anything with it what would you do with it caroline let's start with you thanks I, so random that you came to me and oh. i wasn't just pointing at myself <laughs> no not at all to me okay so i just have a little uh, like bit of a setup of this thing um basically i've you know I, not to flex, but my friend Paulo did win the tournament with Blue White. Um, and previous to uh, the tournament, he messaged like a group chat that we have and said, hey, like Andre and I and Sifka and everyone was testing for a week or so. And unfortunately, all we came up with is that Blue White is great and we're going to play Blue White. And we were all kind of like, oh, man, that's kind of sad. Like if Blue White's the best deck, 
this could be a kind of a boring tournament. That's actually a statement that someone said, like, this could be kind of bad to watch. Uh, and then, you know, time passed and the deck list started coming out. Um, and actually one of our teammates in our group chat or in our, in our group discord said, wow, Paulo and Andre's blue white deck is terrible. It looks so bad. What did they do? And so now I'm like, oh gosh, Paulo comes out of the tank, says the blue white's the best. The first thing, and, and it wasn't just Ben. I saw other people on Twitter commenting that, you know, the blue white seemed like a bad choice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There was a lot of red, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and now I'm starting to like worry for my friends. Like, what do they do? Like the check house is supposed to be great, but they've come out of the tank and maybe they've screwed up. Um, and then I saw one tweet from someone that was like, and it wasn't just, hey, Paulo's, Paulo and Andre have the best deck. It was like, hey, Blue White, th they picked the be best deck. They built Blue White very well. Here's why. And then there was like four or five reasons. It was like a, a Twitter thread. And then people started commenting on that. And, you know, we posted it in our group. And it started, like, this is all before the tournament. We're all speculating. But then the conversation started to switch a little bit. Like, it started to be like, oh, maybe the White deck, maybe the Blue White deck does have a good red matchup. Like, I wonder... Like there's clearly some decisions here. The blah, 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 you know, as as people started to actually look at the deck instead of just saying blue white sucks, <laughs> um, and then as the weekend progressed, you started to see that like it didn't really matter what Paula was playing against, whether it was Jess Guide, Teamer, or Red. They all seemed to be going in his favor as long as you know his deck cooperated in the sense that it drew cards on time and played land on time. All of his spells were answers to everything that was happening. Um, and it became very apparent that there were lots of choices that Paulo was making, I assume Andre as well, during sideboarding that were so different than people might be making in the past. Um, one one that stood out to me was during the sideboarding against Jeskai Fires, um, Paulo sided out all of his counterspells. And he br he brings in this creature matchup. He brings in his four or his three, two or three Archons, um, three Archons. And, you know, he changes this deck entirely and one of the reasons that this mattered was because Teferi is supposed to be all the the be all and end all of beating blue white but if you're you just play a Teferi and then your opponent plays a four mana three four flyer that spits out two twos your Teferi is gonna die <laughs> like it just became so obvious to me that Paulo had thought about the matchup and was like oh no counter spells don't work Instead, I'm going to have these Archons. And he won many games by just attacking for like 10 in the air twice and just gaining a bunch of life and just never being... There were there were definitely times where he could have got punked out by a Cavalier off the top. I'm not saying the matchup is like unwinnable for the Jeskai side, um, but it showed the attention to like what Paulo needed to do in that matchup. And it obviously it showed that he tested um, the matchup. But the reason I bring it up is because I was talking to Eric about this before the podcast about how this is so cool and very different um and my like perception of blue white as a as a player like blue white is control they draw cards they dirtle around forever they counter all your stuff um and red decks are supposed to be the ones that counter that idea like red is supposed to be so fast that the control decks can't get off the ground and then they they usually die but that's not happening right now red is like losing horribly to blue white and then Eric and I were arguing I beat on the same side of things, but we were arguing against each other and we realized it's because Eric thinks that the blue white deck is not a control deck. Yeah, that's true. Uh, basically. So one of, one of the things that I try to stay away from personally is, is labeling 
I guess like labeling decks and I, I, like the reason for that is because of this thought that that we were just talking about where it's like people are like well it's blue white so it's control and it's like it's it is a control deck in the fact that like mid-range is also control a, a lot of the time right because like that's the idea of mid-range is like mid-range against the control decks gets smaller so they can be aggressive and against the uh, against the aggro decks it gets a little bit more controlling right and it plays a longer game um and i think that's what this blue white mid-range deck is um basically i i think that the absorbs and the counter magic in game one are just there because it's the best answer that blue white has to any threat right so it's like you know you, whatever you play unless the counter unless the card is literally uncounterable you can absorb it right um but and then in games two and three uh like caroline was saying uh paulo just takes those cards out of his deck because they're not good right like if your opponent is playing teferi on three you can't absorb that if you're on the draw, right? That And also, if a land comes into play tap, maybe you have a temple or something. So it's just like, well, you're taking out your best answer all because you're boarding into a different game plan. And I think that's just very, very smart. And it also just kind of lends it to being just this mid-range deck where it's like, okay, well, this is their game plan. This is how I'm going to counteract it. And like these are the better answers now. And then also these are the better threats that don't necessarily line up really well for them. Um, so like to, you know, like Caroline pointed out the three, four makes tokens, right? Teferi can only bounce one thing. They're also not going to bring in something like shattered the sky against your blue white deck. Cause you don't have enough threats to warrant that. So then it's like, if I can just play this three, four and make him a token immediately, the Teferi can bounce the three, four or the token forever. But then I just get to kill the Teferi and then it's no longer in play. Um, also if the Teferi is in play for multiple turns, it's not a huge detriment to me because I don't, I'm, I'm, it's not like, you know, erasing cards from my hand because I just want, I can play at sorcery speed now. Um, so I think like that, that is just like something that like, I think is like incredible about how Paulo and the, and the check house made, made this deck where, um, like, like Caroline was saying was like, they just made it so that they could, they could have a game plan for every single deck. And I think that like, you know, that also lends it to be in more mid range. Like that is the joke about rock is that rock is 50% against the field because in game one, your deck is half good against everything. But in games two and three, your deck becomes great against everything. Um, and if you can, if you can, you know, get a little lucky in the game ones and then navigate the games two and threes really well and have a really good game plan, then you should win more often than not. Yeah. And I think that that was something that was so fascinating to watch. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think that was the first time I noticed that about a deck choice. I'm just like, oh, wait a minute. This deck is sweet. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily know it's the best for this weekend for DreamHack. I'm not really sure. It's the small tournament structure of Worlds does make it kind of tricky. Um, and the, the matches were timed at Worlds, right? It's not like... Yeah, they were timed. The, okay, so that's that's not... That doesn't change whether or not that would be a factor. So I'm not sure. I would definitely just bring mono red. It's what I've played the most with. I've been playing with like a small red, um, which is like it doesn't have Thorbrand and stuff. Uh, and that's been kind of really good against blue white, actually. So it's been kind of cool. Um, and that's just what I would bring. I don't, the team of rec deck and I just didn't connect. Like I wasn't doing things in the right kind of sequence or timing and um, it just wasn't really going my way. And then I actually like the Jeskai Fires deck. I've been playing a Planeswalker version that I um, found off a streamer that I've liked a lot. Um, but it, it has a terrible team of rec matchup, like really, really bad. So it would not be a good idea for like a tournament like DreamHack. 
um, when when people are just going to default to playing Team Eric. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What, I, I don't really know the answer to your question, unfortunately, but I'm not going, so I don't have to. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that is the that is the check on the format, to be honest, is the Team Eric deck. I think there's a lot of people that have built, um, I know on my stream, I get, I do like donation decks and stuff like that. Right. And it's like, people always like donate for these mid range decks. And then we just like cube against this team of reclamation deck. And you're like, all right, I'm playing my like really cool value, like a bunch of ability four mana creature or like planeswalker. And then they're like, I'll play wilderness reclamation next turn. I'll have, you know, 12 mana, um, available. I'll deal you eight damage, draw eight cards. And you're like, but I attacked you for five. So that was really exciting. <laughs> but whenever a gold token enters the battlefield, my champion gets plus one plus one. That is, is, that is true. Is that actually yeah, I don't the know. Woodland champion? Yeah, the woodland yeah. is that what happens? Yeah, whenever a token enters the battlefield. So I mean like I like I think that is like kind of the the reason why you start seeing like these decks. Like I, I, I mentioned it earlier when I was finding frustration in standard is like all these decks have a combo finish, and I think it's because Team of Reclamation is kind of defining the mid-range. And I think the only the only deck that actually doesn't have a combo finish right now is the blue-white deck. Um, but the blue-white deck has natural answers to the Team of Reclamation in, in the form of Teferi and Narset, um, which kind of like lock the, 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 the Team of Reclamation opponent out of the game. And it actually forces Team of Reclamation to play uh, more to the board, like with creatures and stuff like that, so they can actually attack the uh, attack your Planeswalkers, which takes them away from their game plan. And I think that's like why blue white is like the one mid range deck is because it does have these natural answers. And also the counter magic is like actually kind of useful there. And then, and then it has really good answers to the creature package that they're going to be boarding into attack your planeswalkers. Uh, also Elspeth conquers death, like rebuying your, your lock pieces is also very big. So like if they do get one off the battlefield, you get this five mana answer that answers the thing that they probably use to kill your planeswalker and get your planeswalker back. Uh, in short order and then like even chapter two uh making like taxing the the expensive spells from from team reclamation is actually pretty good yeah i didn't think the second chapter on elspeth would be that good and then i've been playing with it and i'm like oh it's actually like kind of great yeah it makes expansion explosion like almost uncastable because like explosions like if you want to do one it's seven and you're like what no that's too much Take that <laughs> back. no thank you well, it's going to be really interesting to see how Anaheim shakes out then uh, about what decks we're going to see, uh, what's going to be, you know, is anything going to topple blue-white? Is Team Eric, is there going to be so much, is going to be too much Team Eric is going to be out there as well? Because that seems to be kind of a, a prevailing sentiment as well. Uh, and it's going to be fun for me to kind of watch and see uh, how people navigate uh, their sideboards, because I think we learned a lot a little bit with the World Championships of uh, how people learn how to sideboard, what to sideboard and why. Uh, it's things to learn. It's things to get better at the game, which is why we're always trying to get better at the game, which is what I want to know is how we are learning it, how we try to get get lit, as we say. And what's the one thing you want to do to get better at the game? Caroline, what, what are you what are you going to do to get better at the game of Magic this week? I'm going to do nothing. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm going skiing tomorrow. I'm going on a five-day ski trip uh, with seven other friends, magic-related, of course. Um, we will be doing a lot of board games, a lot of skiing. Uh, that being said, I do have plans to play arena. I'm uh, taking days off work. I might as well try and get up the ladder while I can, um, but my priority would be to not 
play Magic, to have um, some outdoor time. I know, Magic players, let me tell you, <laughs> there is this thing called the outdoors, and it is great. What? I'm very excited. I have my skis and my snowboard packed. Um, I have all of my gear. I haven't used it in so long. I used to, fact time, I used to be a ski and snowboard instructor at the mountain that we're going to, actually. I'm wearing a hat that says Staff 09 or 0809. I found this when I was packing for my ski trip. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to go back to where I used to work um, and to go skiing and too excited to hang out with some of my good friends as well. So that's what I'm doing to get better at magic. Fabulous. I'm not playing it. <laughs> Sometimes we all need, need a little break from stuff, right? That's just kind of that's just how it goes. Uh, Connor Hawk, what about you? What are you doing to get better at the game? I think I'm going to uh, like buckle down and latch on to latch onto a deck. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna latch on to like Seth Manfield's mono red deck. Uh, I think the deck is pretty great, um, and just like learn the ins and outs of it um, and try to climb try to climb ladder a little bit. And uh, my plan is to go to Detroit, uh, which is a uh, just less than a month from now um and i'm a person that certainly benefits from a just like millions of reps with a deck um so just like playing that deck over and over and over again is going to be something that will get me to uh get me to like the deck um and not necessarily like the deck but like where it is and understand it uh, as best i can um i know some people i mean everybody needs practice but not everybody needs as much practice as i do um so but uh yeah so it's just like that's just what i'll be doing is just playing a bunch of mono red and and uh getting that tuned for hopefully the next month or so i like it you know i am gonna kind of look at all the decks that uh, our friends that are going to anaheim want to play i'm going to try and build them myself and you'd be like okay you know let's try some things out maybe i'll i'll find something new maybe as you say in i've been kind of stagnant with standard as well so maybe i can find something that gets me out of that rut where i can go oh finally a deck that really just speaks to me that i want to play and besides dream hack anaheim which is coming up which is going to be awesome there's plenty of other events that are going to be happening around the country around the world in the world of magic the gathering and hopefully caroline cavanaugh the mighty linguini will be at some of them so we want to know where in the world is Caroline Kavanaugh coming up in the next days, weeks, and months to come? Pause for intro music. Cool. Um, question. <laughs> um, who did my segment last time? Nobody. Uh, I did. You skipped the most important segment? No, he did it. Yeah. It was a ni- I had a nice... Uh, I had a did you nice, read it uh, in like a monotone voice? Well, I read it in my voice. Uh, is that monotone? It was quite possibly the most animated segment we ever had on this podcast. Yeah, Rude. I pretended that was you. Did you? Uh, no, not at all. Oh, darn it. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, Conan Hawk, we could have just said anything, and she would have been like, oh, what? that's awesome. because yeah, No, I would have obviously got my spies to tell me. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we actually alternated. Um, every other word was said by a different person in the cast. It's true. It was like a really bad improv game. Yeah, okay. and it was well, awful. Uh, trying to get everybody to coordinate was really bad. Especially with the delay. So c- coming up this weekend, we have DreamHack Anaheim, as we may or may not have mentioned in our podcast. Um, so I have here that it's February 21st and 23rd, but I think that's actually incorrect. I believe there is an event. There are days of the tournament on the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd. Um, and depending on how well you do each day, you qualify for the next day. 
could I know how many wins that needs? Nope, I could not. <laughs> but if you're playing in it, you should probably look it up. On the same weekend, there's an SCG Indie, and it's Pioneer, and we are actually sending some people to that tournament as well. Um, so our meeting actually this week was a little div um, uh, divided between Standard and Pioneer, so we had to double duty that. Um, Coming up the following weekend, this one, this is a big one for me. It's a Mythic Point Challenge, which is not an MIQ. As much as Arena wants to tell me it is, in the many different ways of the like cool little logo that I get for qualifying, and the email that says I get to go to a Mythic Championship qualifier, it's not. Don't get tricked, as much as I was many times. It is a Mythic Point Challenge, which is basically the same thing, but you can get one more loss and then depending on how many wins you get, you get X number of mythic points. What those mythic points do, I couldn't tell you, but I'm gonna play and it's gonna be great. <laughs> um, so that is on February 29th on Saturday. Um, on February 28th to March 1st is Magic Fest Reno. It is limited. Um, so far, the things I've heard about this tournament the most are, holy cow, it's so expensive to fly to Reno. Uh, so if you live nearby or like to pay lots of money to fly to Reno, uh, I recommend going to this tournament. As much as I think Grand Prix are on the up and up and the attendance level will, will no longer be below a thousand on average, um, I believe that this will be an exception to that and I will be flabbergasted if they get more than 500 people. Uh, so if that's your jam, small Grand Prix, head on down to Reno, Nevada, because nobody else can. <laughs> um, on March 14th, I feel like I skipped weekend maybe there's just nothing on march 14th is mythic qualifier number two um i have not qualified for this yet but i will try very hard uh it is another mc on uh arena or mcq on arena i should say miq whatever um march 13th the 15th which is the same weekend is um magic fest detroit which is standard I have tentative plans to go. Uh, my, my plans are based on the fact that my entire team is basically going. Uh, however, the qualifiers that weekend, so I'm kind of torn, um, though I'm not actually qualified, but whatever. And then also standard kind of, eh. <laughs> like, I don't really know if I want to spend a month. I'm actually the same as Eric. I need to play a lot to learn a deck. And I don't know if I want to do that for standard. It's like hit or miss. We'll see. Um, but I really like traveling into the States through a Grand Prix. It's like a really good way to, um, kind of just go on my trip and say, okay, it starts with the Grand Prix. Uh, so I kind of really want to go. I'm really torn. That being said, that's the end of my segment. So you can play the outro music now. Wait, we have to get outro music now? What do you think? I'm made of money? We have to pay all these royalty fees? We have to we have to bleep you all of your swears? Like, we got to do all that kind of stuff? Like, come on. Dude, you were going to save so much money this week. I didn't swear at all. Well, you know what? I, I've just decided... Mm, no, okay. we're, we're throwing it all away. We're throwing it all away because apparently I got to do intro music. I got to do outro music. For all you know, I'm just going to use your own doo-doo-doos as the music for that music. I'll switch your outro music for your intro music and therefore. There's some good finger pointing going on. And finger guns. Conan Hawk, are you going to participate in any of these events coming up? Uh, I, I think I'm going to do standard. Um, the Mythic Point Challenge and the Mythic Invitational qualifier um i i also believe i'll be doing those as well um i know it sounds a little weird because uh i already have qualified for a mythic invitational or for the mythic invitational but um a little a little uh well, i know a little bit points. yeah that's that's the thing i was going to get to is uh the mythic points are actually important um so 
if for those that uh, don't exactly know what the mythic points do, if you um, like basically they if you think them as like as like ways to get yourself towards rivals, um, if you accumulate a lot of those points, uh, you should be able to get yourself in like into a good spot to qualify for rivals league uh, at the end of the year. Um, while that goal is very, very lofty, um, I have one of the best uh, one of the best leg ups, so I might as well try to continue that um, if I can. So doing that is going to be very important. Uh, for me, so I'll be doing that for the Mythic Point Challenge and uh, the Mythic Invitational Qualifier. So yeah. Nice. And I'm sure you're going to be doing plenty of prep to lead up to all those events, and I'm sure plenty of that is going to involve a lot of streaming that you always love to do, which is why I want to know where people can find my wonderful co-hosts on the internet. So let's start with you, Conan Hawk. Where can people find you and the awesome content that you make? Uh, as long as I'm not traveling, you can find me uh, on Twitch TV Monday through Friday, uh, right around 10.30 a.m. Central Time until about 4.30 p.m. Central Time uh, at twitch.tv slash ConanHawk. Uh, you can always find me at ConanHawk on Twitter and also on Instagram at ConanHawk. And Caroline Kavanaugh, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. You can find me on Instagram at the Mighty Linguini. And you can find me, as always, on twitch.tv slash the Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays, mostly. Um, and I always have a magic guest, but I don't always play magic. Last week, we escaped from jail. That was fun. Fabulous. Well, it's great to see that you're still uh, you know, committed to your felonious ways, uh, which is which is the way to go. You escape from prison. That that's a fel, that's a felonious thing. It's you are a felon, correct? If you do that. But I didn't know what the word felonious was. Braski's just here to you know get segue and then Flexing also, and then also just making up words. Brasky buys a dictionary. That's the title of the late, of the podcast that's going to be after that. Of course, you can find me on the internet on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky eleven forty two. You can find out all about uh, our team at www.swagoi.com s-w-a-g-o-i with a fully revamped website we're going to learn more about all of our esports teams from hearthstone to magic the gathering and more and that's going to do it for us this week but thank you all for joining us for another episode of friends and magic don't forget to subscribe leave us a rating add a review let us know how we're doing because we certainly enjoy doing this for you so for myself and for everyone on the swagoi team that's another week of friends and magic everyone have a great rest of your week I'm hungry.